This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. Sales are everything for the everyday entrepreneur, but we may have been doing it all wrong this whole time. I have Paul Ross, neurolinguistic programming practitioner and author of the book Subtle Words That Sell Online, to discuss the concept of subtle selling and why it's important for everyone. I am on a very passionate mission. My mission is to help already successful entrepreneurs, people who are professional salespeople, already kind of hitting the sweet spot, but they want to go from good to great through the power of subconscious communication. I am a master trainer and practitioner of NLP, neurolinguistic programming. We can get into that. I am a master hypnotist and believe it or not, I am a former dating coach. I, in my past career, have helped guys who are 30, 40, 50 years old who never had a date in their life and taught them how to make the most important sale of all, which is themselves. So I come from a completely different background and from an outsider's perspective. What I'm about to reveal today and later on when I share a resource with your audience is something that's off the wall. I like to color outside the lines, disconnect the dots. This is something you can't get off the shelf. So I'm excited to be sharing not only the principles, but some word-for-word examples that your audience can immediately, I mean, right now, go out and use and see immediate results. Fantastic. Actually, I love that you brought that up, that you're the kind of person to color outside the lines, because my first question for you is how do traditional teachings about mindset and sales get in the way of progress? I think one of the biggest things that's different about what I teach is I teach a different kind of focus. You see, we've been told that you're selling yourself for sales is about service. And for me, the big realization I would like your listeners to have, and here's the first mic drop, as we say, you're never selling your product or service and you're not selling yourself. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. Now, once that locks into your mind, once you get that, you can, if you want to, if you, I love selling, but some people listening to this aren't so comfortable with it. Think of yourself as a decision service technician because that's what you're doing. You're helping people who don't know how to make good decisions or who have too many options, too many choices, they're too distracted, how to go about doing that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That definitely makes sense. And that's uh, really fascinating to me because as you mentioned, right, selling isn't necessarily for everyone. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about it. So tell me a little bit about that. What are some misconceptions about the idea of selling? I think once again, we have this idea, a couple of ideas that you should always make the message clear, that you should always be clear to your prospects. And what I say is there, and you should always be in rapport. And what I like to say is, no, there's sometimes during the selling process where you need to be a little bit vague and let the prospect fill in the blanks for themselves. So just as an example, I realize that as you're listening to me speak, that this may sound unusual. It may sound like the kind of thing that at first is even puzzling. But here's the concept, and I'm going to give you some language. Whatever you can get your prospect to imagine for themselves will be perceived by them as being their own idea and therefore they will not resist it. So one of the key ways to get your prospects to imagine something is to be vague. So just as a example, Mm. let's say we're doing a sales presentation 
a typical sales presentation might start with, hi, my name is Joe Johnson or whatever your name is. And today I'm going to be presenting this marketing plan that will teach you how this will bring you 15% greater returns and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Even if everything you said is true, the problem with that is your prospect may be thinking, I've heard this before. Okay, why should I believe you, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So instead, I teach, bear with me just one minute, I teach how to use some very vague language. I'm going to unpack it for you. Fantastic. And this vague language will create rapport within a minute. You don't have to mirror the person's body language or do any of that anymore. Here's what I teach. I would say something like, before we explore this opportunity together today, I just want to invite you to please share the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made. Now, that's a very vague statement. We're not saying how we're going to explore it. We're not saying what the great decision is. We're being very vague. But within that sentence, I'm using five words that are very important. I'm saying we, together, explore, invite, and share. Hmm. These are what I call implied relationship words. Let's think about this. The typical presentation is I'm going to, before I explore this with you or before I go through our marketing plan, What's the difference saying before I and before we? Hmm. It doesn't involve we, the other person, right? Right. So we is a subtle word. It's what I call an implied relationship word. It implies relationship. Before we explore, what's the difference between me presenting something to you and exploring something with you? Hmm. And again, it implies relationship. There's something else that's implying, Christine, that's also really clever. For every exploration, there must be a leader. And for every leader, there must be a... Follower? Exactly. Hmm. So we're implying on the subconscious level, we're speaking to the subconscious, that they are our followers. We're not saying it. If I said, I'm going to lead you today and you're going to follow my words and believe me, mm -hmm. they'd flip me the bird, as you say, <laughs> in, in the United States. And, right. And tell me to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Right. So before we explore this opportunity together, that's another word that implies a relationship. We're doing something together. Hmm. I'd just like to invite you. What's the difference between saying instruct and invite? Hmm. Yeah, I guess instruct again has that like connotation, right? Uh, of, yeah. you know, there's one person right. doing this. You're not involved at all. But invite right. is that journey again together. I just like to invite you to please share the questions, mm. not ask the questions, but share. What's the difference between sharing and asking? Do we share with people who we don't trust? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, we don't. We don't. So in the space of using those five words, I, you're on the unconscious or subconscious level. I use them interchangeably. It really doesn't matter. I'm a hypnotist, so <laughs> I use both. I invite you to ask the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made. Now, Christine, did I say a great decision to sign the contract nope. or a great decision to buy? Nope. Why didn't I, why didn't I say that? I have no idea. You'd have to let me know what, <laughs> why well, you said well, that. Well, because it would, it, they may say, well, I'm not signing anything. But by being, by being vague, by not saying what the great decision is, mm -hmm. they have to dive down into their subconscious. And the subconscious says, hmm, what will that decision be? How will I make that decision? Right. 
given the context that you've established rapport with those first five words, the subconscious mind will generally say, okay, I'm going to make the decision to go with this person. That's all within one sentence. So the, the, the principle that this all in, deals with is be vague in your communication. Mm-hmm. Contrary to what traditional selling teaches, there's times to be unclear in the message. Mm-hmm. That message I, I, I gave was very unclear consciously. I didn't get a single fact, a single piece of data. I didn't say a thing about myself or my company. I was deliberately unclear. So again, I said I disconnect the dots and color outside the lines. This is one of the first things. And again, I, I obviously you're gen- very generous with your time today and I can't share everything I know. I think this will resonate with, with people that this is unconventional. The second thing Oh, no, I've answered your question. I'm sorry. Please, let's go to the next one. I don't want to step on you. (laughs) No. I'm sorry. I uh, love to talk. Absolutely no worries about that. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, for me, uh, it's fascinating to hear you explain all this and and for you to go, uh, you know, naturally into your own uh, sort of flow as well. But uh, I think uh, where where I wanted to go from there, right, is, you know, you, you are mentioning that, it's funny, you're sort of fighting against these instincts and what people have been telling you has worked for years and years and years, you know, but in a strange way as well, a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned seems fairly, um, not quite common sense, but seems fairly natural, right? It seems, you know, this this idea of letting letting the other person fill in the gaps and also involving the other person in the process doesn't seem like rocket science, right? So, I mean, why why have we only now reached the point where we are aware of, you know, this this new form of selling? I think because people get stuck in what works. Mm. Again, I work with people. My passion is to watch people who are really good skyrocket their results. And I think when you're really good at something or even excellent at something, you you start to get afraid a little bit. Don't rock the boat. This is working. I don't want to rock the boat. And my statement is, well, the problem with traditional selling is everyone's doing it. And nowadays, people don't have the time and the focus to pay attention to you the way they used to. And they don't trust their decisions. So I think the reason why we're only just getting into it now is, first of all, a lunatic like me comes along, a former dating coach, and says, hmm, you know what? All this stuff I had to do to get these guys who couldn't even talk to a woman and they're 50 years old, I had to sell them on the possibility that they could change. <laughs> That's a big job. And so I'm coming from the outside here with a completely different perspective. And I mm-hmm. think also if I can be blatant about it and, and blunt, the sales training world basically is afraid to do something, anything unique and different. They're basically all copying each other because they don't want to offend people. They don't want to come off as being too... In your face. I like being in your face. Believe me, I'm toning it down tonight. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that that's uh, a really good point. And like many other industries, where I think especially uh, because of the pandemic as well, we really all had to take a look at what really does work and what really doesn't work. Right. Um, And and much like you said, this is the point in time where if you are going to, you know, um, completely shatter your existing preconceptions of a concept and you know, start from scratch and really look at, you know, what can I do differently? What can set me aside from the crowd? This is the moment, right? 
I would say the moment is now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break, but after that, I will continue speaking to Paul Ross all about sell words that sell. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. I have a dream. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Listening to Raise Your Game, I'm Christine Wong, and today with me on the line is Paul Ross, neurolinguistic programming practitioner, um, ex-dating coach as well, as we found out today, and also author of the book Subtle Words That Sell. He's with me today to discuss the concept of selling, subtle selling, influential language, all that stuff, uh, and why that's important for everyone. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the book. Tell me about it. Why did you decide to write it? What is it all about? Wow. Those are big questions. Let's address why I decided to write it first. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about these questions about how to use subconscious communication, the language of the subconscious mind to influence people since 1988, 89, originally for dating applications because I myself was someone who couldn't get a date to save his life. Mm-hmm. And Over time, what happened is my students began to tell me, hey, thank you very much. I got married. Here's a picture of my family. And I've been using your stuff for sales. And I thought, hey, let's go back into your mad scientist language lab and figure out how that works. And my first attempt to write a book was like 2006. I wasn't satisfied with it. You know how when you really want to bring excellence forth and you're just not satisfied with being okay with something or good with something. Mm -hmm. And so finally I sat down. I thought I need to put this all into a book. My mentor helped me come up with that title. And really that is what it's about. You have to be subtle when you communicate to the subconscious mind. If you're blatant, then people are are just going to be turned off to it. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I wrote the book. I wrote it in four and a half months after 15 years of thinking, 20 years of thinking. I wrote it in four and a half months sitting in a Starbucks, fueled up on double cappuccinos. <laughs> that feels very, um, you know, like the uh, the culmination of everything, right? In, in your career, sort of being fueled uh, by the caffeine into this book. <laughs> Right. So that's really interesting to me. And, you know, um, there's a couple of uh, elements in the book as well that you go into. Obviously, we can't uh, dive into all of them right now. And of course, we want people to get the book if they can as well. Right. But um, so tell me uh, a little bit here about uh, some of the basics, the the sort of. Well, one of my favorite parts, one Mm -hmm. of the favorite things, and I'll be sharing a resource that at the end of this and part of that resource is a whole training um, mm. on how to destroy objections yes but one of my favorite things in the book are the chapters on crushing objections let's go because they oh, i love it because they use something called a pattern interrupt i'm going to give a little bit of a teaching about hip, how the mind works sort of hypnotically you see christine human beings think respond act feel their way through the world in predictable patterns When you break those patterns of expectation, then the person becomes very suggestible and you can do some fun things. You can lead them into an entirely new direction for their thinking. Hmm. One of the most common objections we hear as salespeople is I need more time to think it over. Correct? Mm -hmm. So a typical response, not my response, a typical response would be, well, what do we need to get out of the way so you can feel comfortable making the decision now? Or what's... 
what seems to be the issues. Mm. That's typical kind of thing. I don't want to do that. So here's my response. If you say I need more time to think it over, just role play with me. Just all right, okay, me, please. Sure. So uh, I need more time to think it over. Well, Christine, I understand. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Have Have you ever taken a long time to think something over and it still turned out to be a terrible decision? Yes. Maybe it's not about time then. Maybe it's about the clarity you need to recognize a great decision can be made. Mm -hmm. So in the service of that clarity, what do we need to clear up so you can feel good to move ahead today? All right. Do you see see how we've completely erased the objection Mm -hmm. by using what I call a counterexample? Counterexample simply takes the objection, gives you a example, a counterexample of where doing that objection actually resulted in you losing or experiencing pain and therefore erases the objection Mm -hmm. and leaves the person in a temporary suggestible state. Interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, what, what's another uh, a version of how that would work? Okay. Let's see. Let's say I've worked with a lot of real estate agents. It doesn't matter. This stuff applies across all industries, mm-hmm. all industries. So oftentimes real estate agents here, I don't want to pay that high a commission. And the typical response for most realtors is to go with facts and data and to say, well, I understand, but look at my track record. We've sold more homes and blah, blah, blah. They respond with facts. I want to interrupt the pattern. So if someone says, I don't want to pay that high commission, the response I created is, well, Mr. Smith, with the right agent, you're not paying a commission. You're investing in skills. Hmm. Maybe you'll get lucky with the cheap option. But do you really want to gamble with the most important asset of your life, your home? Do you see that pattern interrupt? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Again, it's sort of taking that initial, uh, like that initial objection, right? And just being like, that's not actually the problem that you're having. And let's reframe that for you. Exactly. And I'm, this is what I call compare and contrast. I'm comparing pain. Uh, a fee mm-hmm. with investing in skills. Mm-hmm. You're not paying a commission, you're investing in skills. We're reframing the meaning of what the objection is really about. Once we take control of that, we take control of the entire discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating to me. Now, uh, you also mentioned uh, a little bit uh, in the beginning of, of our chats, right? Um, that you're selling uh, emotions, right? You, like, you know, this is, you're not uh, selling yourself or your product necessarily all the time, but it's that, that feeling um, that you are doing. So, to, to, so tell me a little bit about that concept before we wrap up. Sure. So just because a person makes a decision and feels good about the decision in that moment doesn't mean they're going to continue to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. We've all heard of buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. And the challenge nowadays is your prospect doesn't trust their ability to make a good decision. Everyone talks about no like, and trust. You have to establish no like, and trust. That's true. But it's not enough anymore because now you have to get the prospect to trust themselves. So how do you create the prospect's trust in themselves? How do you do that? Well, once again, we come back to that suggestion. A great decision is being made. Once the person, once that suggestion goes into the unconscious mind, do we feel good or bad about great decisions? We we love a great decision, I think. (laughs) 
Exactly. So once they accept that a great decision is being made subconsciously because we gave them that vague suggestion, then the next implied suggestion is I can feel good about what I'm about to do. Because by very definition, when you make a great decision, you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. So that's how we install. We install good feelings immediately within the first few minutes. Look, what I'm claiming is absolutely outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous. The idea that you can create rapport and suggest inside of the subconscious mind of your prospects that they can trust themselves and feel good about the decision they're going to make. I know it's insane, but if you try, when I, I'm going to be giving out access to a resource momentarily, try this stuff. See the results you get. The, the reason I do give so much for free is because there's no way anyone is going to believe me <laughs> until they try it. I always, people say, you offer a guarantee. I say, look, your own best results, your best guarantee. Right. So go out. It's free. Go try it and see for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, so now speaking of uh, making a great decision, right? Let's uh, talk about that resource. Let's share that. Uh, sure. And that's how uh, we'll, we'll take a look at this. Uh, sure. Yeah. So if this has resonated with you and you can easily recognize, I just shared a little bit of the 30 years of accumulated knowledge that I have. I have a great resource that I call Invisible Influence. When you receive it, it will teach you how to close bigger deals, how to close deals quicker because we want to shorten the sales cycle and how to close more of them effectively and quickly. And so if you're outside the United States and Canada, which I assume many of your listeners are, you're in mm -hmm. Malaysia, mm -hmm. it's easy to get. Text the word COMPEL because we are going to show you how to compel your prospects to buy. C-O-M-P-E-L in capital letters Text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. So the country code of the United States is 1-909-741-1321 uh, to receive invisible influence and other resources. Mm, fantastic. Well, hopefully, you know, our listeners will uh, take what we've set into account to make a fantastic decision and look at that resource. And also, of course, take a look at your book as well, if they can find it, which speaking of which, where can they find it if they'd like to? Of course, the one, the greatest, the best resource there is, Amazon. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm assuming Amazon will ship to Malaysia. Yes. They ship everywhere. That's, yes. Uh, Jeff Bezos, by the way, I read is the wealthiest man in the United States. So he's doing well for himself with Amazon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for sharing all of your thoughts and your insights thank here you. uh, all about, you know, the subtle words that sell. Thank you, Christine. Thank you to your audience. You've been listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM and I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Paul Ross, neurolinguistic programming practitioner, hypnotist and ex-dating coach and also author of the book Subtle Words That Sell. If you've missed any of today's interview, you can go ahead and download our podcast on two separate platforms. There's our app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also head over to bfm.my to listen back to the podcast and download it as well. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.